0: You know, at Bob Jones University, we took a course on it was entitled Minor Prophets. There are the Bible considers 12 books in the minor prophets. And so uh, hopefully uh, you won't go to heaven and uh, and a guy will come up to you and say, My name's Nahum. And you'll say, uh, uh, who are you? Hopefully that won't happen to you. You'll say, Oh, one of the minor prophets. Uh, excuse me, not minor. If you made the Bible, it's all major. They made the Bible. And so there's uh, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, with the book of Lamentations, and Daniel, the major prophets, and the minor prophets, 12 of them. And they were two, the first few of them were to the nation of Israel, and uh, which were in struggle, and the last few then were to the uh, last two tribes that were left, called Judah. In the book of Nahum, there was a, when we took the course, <laughs> when I took the course about Jones, I took it from an older preacher. He'd been to ministry his whole life, had large sections of scripture memorized. Very smart, intelligent individual. His name was Jesse Boyd. Jesse Boyd. Dr. Jesse Boyd. And I took the course, and uh, right off the bat, I mean, he just, the first day i don't know if you ever been to college the first day of classes is when they give you your whole semester assignment so you go to all your classes and that every one of them gives you their entire semester assignment like you're going to write you know three papers on this subjects so and you're going to do these exams you're going to read these books these books they have you read you know and you're going to read this many pages in a week and uh, I mean i took the book of acts and he said you're going to read the book of acts every week uh, no real credit for that you read the books you read the book of Acts every week, and if you don't read it you fail the course So it's a pass fail if you read it uh, 18 weeks if you read it 17 weeks you fail you must read it 18 weeks, and you can't double up You must read it each week, and so we had all kinds of rules about that and I don't know why I did that so people wouldn't cram and So it was, it was good. It was challenging and we had the minor prophets. He said you're gonna read the minor prophets once a week it was all the minor prophets once a week. It takes two and a half hours of normal speed reading, normal speed to read the minor prophets, the 12 minor prophets. How do I know that? Well, I read them 18 times once a week for 18 weeks. That helps you in a lot of ways. It helps you memorize the order of the minor prophets, first of all. It helps you understand the, kind of the chapter content of the minor prophets, the themes of the minor prophets. In reading them, it kind of takes care of all of that. Then he assigned us a whole mass of memory verses to memorize out of the minor prophets. Now, there really was no credit for any of this. It was just like pass or fail. If you do it, you pass. If you don't, you fail. And then in the meantime, you're going to read this book on the minor prophets, and and we're going to test you out of the minor prophets on this book, and you'll receive a midterm test and a final test and some quizzes in between, and that's where you're going to get your grade. And so it would, that was where you got your grade, and then all this other stuff that you did was so that you could pass the course. And so I, I understand, it was very sneaky. And uh, they loaded us up, but by, you know, I found that the, the, the teachers which were the hardest on me, I learned the most out of. I went away from that semester of Jesse Boyd knowing pretty well inside and out, the minor prophets. Like, I never would have forced myself to do that. I would have never put myself under that kind of discipline. But that's why you go to school. You, you basically pay others to put you under discipline. Does this make sense to you? You could, you could do it for free, but you won't because you're too lazy. And so you pay somebody to go to school so that they tell you you have to do this and if you do this, we'll give you a little letter, A, B, C, and we'll give these a little letter on a piece of paper, and that's oh, oh that's big. And then at the end of this, we're going to give you a little piece of paper that, with a little stamp and some signatures that said you get this degree. Now, really, you could do all this on your own. You wouldn't have to. All that knowledge is accessible and available for anybody to go to, but we don't have enough self-discipline to do it. And that's why you need teachers. That's why you need. Uh, that's why you need. What we have as far as way as education, why well, the system's built that way, because we need it. Now, a few people, once in a while, are so disciplined they can do it without it, but not too many. And one of I said all that to, to go to the verse of the uh, text verse tonight is Nahum, the book of Nahum. And it's chapter one, verse seven. It was one of our memory verses. I quote this to myself and to God. I figure if you quote the Bible to God, it's got to be good, amen. You know, you quote the Bible to God, it's got to be good. By the way, uh, Jimmy, 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 do them same verses again next week till you get them perfect. (laughs) And you don't even have to pay me to have you do that. Uh, I'll do that for, I will do that for free for you, amen. Do that again. You missed a few words, and you. I want you to be able to say that thing in the, in the, in the middle of a storm. Brother. You'll be able to say that word perfect. Those are, those are fabulous verses. And do it again next week. We'll love it. So, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them to trust in him. The Lord is good. The devil's going to do everything he can. He's going to throw everything he can to throw at you to make you think God's not good. He's going to make what so he did that in the garden. He won in the garden. He won. He made Adam and Eve believe that he wasn't good and he was holding back on them and if they'd do this fruit, they'd be better. And you know all that was a lie. And he'll do the same to you. He doesn't have any new material. He uses the same old material. Think how old he is. He's very old. Uh, Very, very well versed in in human nature. And he knows our natures and he, he can read you like a book. And he'll, he'll work on you to try to use situations that God's going to bring in your life. God is absolutely going to bring trouble in your life. The, of the title of this, which I've used on a few other sermons just because I like it, what you gonna do when they come for you? And uh, this, I could have titled this uh, Why Christians Have Trouble. Or what are you going to do in the day of trouble would be another title for this message. And either one, we all, be all good. The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. And there will be, I got good news for you tonight. There will be a day of trouble come your way. Now you that are older, listening to me, you are, say, Brim, I've been through some trouble. Yes, you have, and there's more to come. I want to give you encouraging news tonight. You've had trouble, and there will be more trouble because it must be so. Nobody in this life can escape trouble. It is an absolute rule of the universe, an unchangeable rule. Uh, There are short, brief seasons we have without trouble, no doubt. These are rest periods for you. But inevitably, uh, you either, uh, trouble is either coming or it's here. Or you're on your way out of it. And then you get a little rest period, you know. And, and, and I'm think, you're right now you're thinking, aren't you? You're thinking of the various things that have happened in your life, amen? It's unique in each, each, each human, yet it's not unique. Troubles are unique in some ways, but yet really not so unique. Uh, I made a biblical-wide study. I'm from Genesis to Revelation. A biblical-wide study on the computer on this word trouble. And I like to do that. That's one of my favorite ways of studying. And it usually prints out a a whole bunch of scriptures. And then I have to pour through those scriptures one at a time and try to organize them. And, And basically, what are these verse? What are all these verses with the word trouble saying to me? What are they saying to me? So I'm going to share that with you tonight. It won't be long, and I'm going to help you understand more than you maybe came. What this whole thing of trouble is. I want to first share with you the Old, te- Old Testament teachings on trouble. What is the Old Testament? What did I find into the Old Testament on trouble? Uh, brother Bob Carney and I have a unique relationship. We're friends, really, for a long time. And, and Bob, uh, I text Bob encouraging verses. You know, do I text, have I ever, anybody I've texted a verse, Who you raise your hand. And you that haven't, I'm sorry. But if you, if you text me, I'll text you back. And it'll be about 2 a.m. So if you got your phone on, it's going to go, ding, 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 ding. Oh, it must be an emergency. You'll go there and there'll be a Bible verse. That's better than listening and better than having some bad thing happen. And so I turn my ringer off at night now. But anyways, uh, I texted him. The other day, he was, he was kind of down the other day. Bob, Bob's been going through some hard trouble. If you're watching this, Bob, shut up. Uh, quit complaining. I, I told him not to talk about me. Well, I'm sorry, but you're not my boss. So Bobby Carney, uh, Bobby as a friend, love the guy. I want to encourage him, right? So I, t- I texted him, Job chapter 5, verse 7. I said, it says, Yet man is born unto trouble as sparks fly upward. I thought that would help him. He said, with an encourager like you, Man, Job didn't have any friends, did he? I said, no. I, I go to Job 14.1, uh, and later on, I texted him this verse. I said, uh, it says in Job 14.1, you should memorize this. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. That's really encouraging, amen? Positive outlook, you know? Does that The old health and wealth group? That's Bible. Uh, it's true. These troubles that come our way can be extremely deep. Psalm 77, 4 says, Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. There's no exceptions for trouble. Even the saints get in trouble. Psalm 119, 143, Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delights. Sometimes God seems to hide from us in these troubles. Seems like you can't reach him. Psalm 10, verse 1 says, Why sendest thou far off, O Lord? Why hidest thyself in time of trouble? That was uh, his his feeling, at least at that time. Psalm 102, verse 2 said, Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I call. Answer me speedily. So there's times when it seems like God's far away. Lord, why don't you answer me when I am in trouble? Because he wants you to trust him. He's not going to bail. He's not going to bring the trouble to you and then bail you right away. Sometimes there's time that goes by, it has to pass. There's nothing like time to age somebody and to mature someone. Trouble tends to turn people back to God. You say, I hate trouble. Yeah, but trouble probably does more good for you spiritually than anything comes your way. I know if we had our way, it'd all be health and wealth and prosperity and nothing bad would come. I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not out there praying for bad stuff to come. I don't know, are you guys? I'm not saying, Lord, I need some bad stuff. Now, I, when I was young, I prayed some prayers like that. I said, Lord, I don't feel I'm growing. I need you to do whatever you got to do to help me grow. Wow. Wow. That unleashed a hurricane of trouble my way. And I mean, it's you know, and it's, by the way, it's been pretty steady since then. Uh, Psalm 50, verse 15, we're encouraged to call. Call upon me in the day of trouble. Call upon me. That's what trouble does. It causes my eyes to go upward. When I'm in prosperity and I'm in happy things and everything's going my way, I tend to get independent. I tend not to pray as much. I tend not to think about God much. I maybe tend not to memorize. There are some people I'm working with right now. on memorizing scripture. You know, we have those deck of cards about that thick. There are eleven doctrines, well organized in memory verses. That's what these boys are doing. They're doing those those what we call deck of cards. And if you want one of those, you can buy one, or if you, get, if you don't have the money, we'll give it to you. But you you get those cards and and um, I have some people right now I'm working with that are struggling spiritually. Where do I go? Memorize scripture. Put it to your mind. You know, I don't know about you, but it takes me, I got to go over something and over something and over something. Not as much as Jim, but I got to go over something and <laughs> over something and over something to. The fact that Jim does not be able to get up here and, and do what Jayla does, just boom, quote it perfectly, is actually to his advantage because Jayla doesn't have to go over it nearly as much as Jim does. And the more you go over it, the better it is. Oh, don't try to tell me you have hard trouble memorizing. I'm not gonna believe you. But anyways, uh, I hear an angel speak. God will be found. He'll be found if you're very serious about it. 2 Chronicles 15, 4 says, but when they were in trouble and did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. Uh, Nehemiah nine twenty seven Boy, Nehemiah 9, chapter. You ought to go and read. Once in a while, everybody ought to read the ninth chapter of Nehemiah. Wow, what a chapter. Therefore thou deliverest them into the hand of their enemies who vex them. In the time of their trouble, when they cried unto thee, they thou heardest them from heaven according to a manifold mercies thou gave us them saviors who saved them out of the hand of their enemies. He's talking about the children of Israel. The ninth chapter rehearses that history of Israel better about as concisely as any place else in the Old Testament. Psalm 50 verse 15, and call upon me in a day of trouble. I already read that. Uh, Psalm 86 7, in a day of my trouble I will call upon thee. Psalm 107 6, they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. Psalm 142 142 2 says I should Uh, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. So when trouble comes, it focuses you. It focuses you. Nothing better spiritually than for you to hear the doctor tell you you got cancer. It's good for you. Spiritually, that's actually good news. You say, Brother, how can cancer be good news? It can be fabulously good news. It can be fabulously good news. Because it's going to turn you to the only person that can really help you, and it ain't the doctor. It's going to turn you to Jesus if you know Him as your Savior. And you're going to get real risk, a whole other level of growth when you begin to talk with God. I got cancer 28 years old. Troy was 12, I think. I Don't do the math on that. I th- I'm just out of it. I think it was 12. And I, I asked God one night, I was laying in my bed and I was praying. And and I asked God, would, would you be willing to let me live long enough to see Troy grow up? Now you know that's selfish, it's stupid, you know, really, I didn't know much about the big picture, but I just, I just was, you know, sentimental about it. And I'd sure like to see him grow up and and uh, I'm human, you know, I like everybody else. And, and uh, it centered me back to God and it, it grew me. I asked him to grow me, he said, okay, I'll grow you. It was not very long after that I got that news. And then, the, you know, the radiation treatments and the surgery and and the the side effects of all that, uh, just are there as blessings from God. Here I am, 69 years old. 69, by the way. (laughs) 69-year-old man telling you I'm not lying to you. I'm not pulling your leg. I've been through it. Enough to tell you that God brings these troubles to you for nothing but good for you. When my dad spanked me, he would say... This hurts me more than it hurts you. No it does, <laughs> but I knew after when I got a kid, what he meant by that. It hurts your feelings. You had to spank your kid, but hurts your feelings. He you took after your wife, or it is what hurts your feelings. But anyways, but you know, it, it's a, it, it is uh, like like Ashley just had a little baby, and and you'll eventually begin to spank that little baby for throwing temper tantrum like you used to, and you're like, what did I have this child for, so I could beat it? I mean, you ask yourself questions after a while. Because I've had these young mothers, especially with two-year-olds, uh, where they give a kid a spank. I remember Mrs. Uh, Moon called me one time, crying, and she says, I, "I just think I think I'm doing something wrong." I said, "What are you doing?" She says, "Mike, I I had to spank him ten times today, and he's still doing it." And I said, "You're just not spanking him hard enough." <laughs> I said, what you're doing wrong is you aren't hard enough. You let me spank that boy. It'll be one time, maybe two times, but probably not two times. Amen. I'm not going any further there. (laughs) God is looking to be strong for you and in you. But it can't be if you don't trust him. And if you haven't been through, a sailor does not hone his skills on a calm sea. A sailor becomes a good sailor, becomes a good captain by the storms that he has to go through and he has to navigate through and have to learn how to make it through. And that's you. That's me. The storms you're going through now, you're you're learning to navigate. You're learning to trust God. You're learning to go to the Bible. You're learning to memorize scripture. You're learning to read the word of God learn to get more serious about life, they're good for you. Psalm 9.9 says, The Lord also will be a refuge to the oppressed, a refuge in the time of trouble. Times, by the way, plural, of trouble. Psalm 27.5, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. Psalm 32.7, Thou art my hiding place, thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Psalm 34.6, The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. I can say that tonight. I can say that. This poor man cried. Psalm 30, 34, of course, Psalm 34, 34. My, my, he's going to spend some time in Psalm 34. What a place, what a place. Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry, the Lord heareth and deliver them out of all their troubles. You believe the Bible's the word of God? Hey, say amen. amen. You believe God answers prayer? Say amen. amen. You, you believe every jot and tittle of the word of God will come through or Heaven and earth pass away before one of them things don't come true. That's what he said. The righteous cried, "The Lord, hear and deliver them out of all their troubles." He's going to deliver you out of all your troubles, and He's going to deliver me out of all my troubles. Psalm thirty-seven, thirty-nine. But salvation of the righteous is of the Lord, He is their strength in the time of trouble. And I haven't even gotten into the New Testament yet. God Himself sometimes sends troubles to those who disobey Him. Troubles not always to grow us sometimes it's to discipline us, which is in a way growing you, because discipline is part of the growth process. Remember Saul, you remember him, he did wrong, he didn't obey God, he was he was careless about the word of God, he was careless about the ways of God, and he kind of made his own way up, he made God in his own image, did it the way he thought he should do it, and that's what's going on today in many of the Mega churches and things, they're just worshiping God the way they think they ought to worship him, not the way he wants to be worshiped biblically. And there's a big, God does not like that. 1 Samuel 16, 14, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Ooh, doggies. An evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. I've seen it. I've seen it. Psalm 16, 15, the next verse says, And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit of God troubleth thee. And so David came and was found to play uh, music. And the music he played was so, uh, such good music that the evil spirits who who like rock and roll ran away. They couldn't stand it. That's my interpretation of that, by the way. The evil spirits, the reason that David helped Saul by playing the good good music is because the evil spirits don't like good music. They like the head-banging junk you hear on the radio and see everywhere, everywhere. That's That's the music they like. It's obvious what they like. It's everywhere. And so... Uh, I don't believe there's any amount of Prozac's gonna help you when God sends evil spirits to you. I personally, personally, I do not believe, I'm not a doctor, though I have uh, a free family practice. (laughs) I've been around enough to tell you that medicine is intruding in the things of God, and when medicine begins to intrude in the things of God, they have no business being there. They don't know what they're doing. They begin to mess with your mind, with serotonin and all this other stuff, and I believe never was medicine ever meant to go there because now you're starting to deal with people's spirits and their moods, and we've seen horrible things come from this, these, these, these mood enhancers and these, these horrible things that, that are out there, and I'm not, you don't have time, and I'm not going to go over with you, but we need to go to God really we need to we need to I have testimony after testimony of people who sought God and he and he was found of them by the grace of God. We should learn to fear God, and seek his face. Well, that's the Old Testament. Now what about the New Testament? Well, Jesus got troubled. I found that out. Jesus got troubled at Lazarus' tomb in John eleven thirty three. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled, the Bible said. He got, he got troubled at his crucifixion. Now now he says, before his crucifixion, he says, now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? For is for this cause came I unto this hour. But he was still troubled. In Gethsemane, obviously, Jesus was troubled. John 13, 21, before Judas betrayed him, it troubled Jesus about Judas. When Jesus had thus said he was troubled in the spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. He loved Judas. He created Judas. And he was sad for Judas and warned him woe unto the one of whom the Son of Man has betrayed. Be better, he never been born. Whatever that means, you put your mind on that. He was troubled in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. Paul got trouble. 2 Corinthians 4, eight. we are trouble on every side. 2 Corinthians 7.5, when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were trouble on every side. Without were fightings, and within were fears. Now, the great apostle Paul, under pressure, had fear come on him. When he went to Corinth, he was concerned at Corinth they were going to persecute him and he, by the time he hit Corinth, he'd already been persecuted plenty. And he didn't want to get persecuted anymore. And when he hit Corinth, he was leaving. Corinth was a, a, a wicked city, and he, didn't, he knew they were going to reject, you know, so he was going to go. Jesus appears to him and says, stay here. I've got many people in this city, and they're, they're not going to harm you. With that promise, Paul stayed in the city of Corinth and this church was established in the city of Corinth. But let me tell you, people make Paul out to be non-human like some superman. He wasn't no superman. He had fears come on him. But where did he go when he had all that? He went to God. He went to God. That's where you and I got to go. God's people also get troubled. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 7, To you who are troubled, rest with us. So being troubled is not so unusual, is it? Being trouble uh, goes back from the Old Testament all the way to Job. and goes all the way through the Old Testament. All the characters of them, they were troubled. God's people were troubled. But I think by the grace of God, we should rise up under trouble and stand up under it and fight it, if, if you may say it that way. John 14.1, Jesus said, one of, these are one of the more, in, in fact, this verse, this passage in 14, 1 through 6 or so, is probably more, one of the more quoted passages of, of funerals. Let not your heart be troubled. Well, what's God telling you? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. The future is coming. And my father's house, or many mansions. It's going to get better. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come and receive you unto myself then. Where I am there, you may be also. That's how you take the trouble away. You start thinking of the future. You start thinking, yeah, this old world's filled with disappointments and trouble every day. Many times I get discouraged and I almost lose my way. And I remember I'm just a pilgrim. In this troubled world below, there's one thought that keeps me singing as I go. We're not home yet, children, so keep your eyes on the Savior. Just a few more days to labor and we'll sit down beside that river. How I long to be with Jesus and my loved ones gone before me. There's a better day a-coming, we're not home yet. That's a song I have written a long time ago by people of God that went through suffering. That's an old Southern song that I learned in Greenville, South Carolina. It's a command, 1 Peter three and fourteen says, but and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you. Well, oh, happy are you. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be afraid, neither be troubled. Don't be troubled with Biden. Don't be troubled with Kamala. Don't be troubled with Shift. And don't be troubled with Pelosi. Don't be taken care of by God in due time. Second Thessalonians 1.7 And to you who are troubled, rest with us. And the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Keep your mind On the things which are above, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, and not on the things which are below. Keep yourself occupied. You know, I I don't want to be mean to you, but too many of you are on the Internet looking at all that crazy negative stuff of all this conspiracy junk that's going on. Let me tell you, of all the conspiracy stuff that's going on, you can do very little to nothing about it. The best thing you can do about it is to be right with God and to tell your neighbor Jesus saves And to come door to door with us. And to get into bus ministry. And to get into into Iwana ministry. And try to do your best to see some boys and girls, men and women, saved and know the truth. That will change America. I know a lot about this world from the Bible. Number one, I know that the devil, Satan, is the God of it. Amen? It's His place. It's not God's place, it's His place. And look at it. Look at the mess in it. Look at the the suffering. Look at the trouble. Look at the wars and rumors of wars and shortages and all the the atrocities that go on in a big city in one night. That's the devil's world. That's the devil's world. But God is going to deliver us from all that, brother. You that are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, the Bible says, by the way, taking vengeance on them who know not God. Vengeance time is coming. Troubles and tribulations will most certainly come. That's what I learned by doing this study. Uh, What will you do when they knock on your door or what you're going to do when they come for you? What are you going to do? Will you fall apart? Will you panic? Will you go for the pills? Will you run to the doctor? Will you run to Jesus? Go to the Bible, which is your refuge, your helper, your deliverer, your hiding place, your strength, your rock, your bulwark, your fortress, the God in whom you trust stop in your midst midst of the troubles and realize God is watching. God is waiting for you to cry unto him. Pass the test. Seek his face. And when it comes, the deliverance comes, give him the glory. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. When I got cancer at 28, and you never know where it's going to go, what it's going to do, and all this other stuff. But I've learned a long time ago, God's got my life in his hands. I don't have it. Um, I've outlived about four or five doctors so far. They were trying to help me, and then ended up dying. Uh, you know? And so I just learned a long time ago, life is really in God's hands. Amen. I got the melanoma in my ear here a while back, and i never been treated with such sobri- soberness as when you go and you tell them, When you got melanoma, they treat you at a whole other level. I've had squamous, I've had basal cell. And then you go to the melanoma, it's like graduating to the upper class. And they start talking about taking stuff off of you, you know. And they took my bottom part of my ear and a whole bunch of stuff down here on my neck and I wasn't going to have him do any of this down here. I was just saying, let's just leave all those lymph nodes alone. I'm talking to a guy who's done surgery on melanoma for 33 years, born-again believer, by the way. Dr. Ritter, he's a great guy. He's born-again believer, loves Jesus. In fact, Wendell Heller led him to Christ as a patient. That's right, Wendell had melanoma. Wendell, Wendell Heller led him to Christ. It was a wonderful thing. So I go to the guy, you know, and he tells me, we need to go and take all these lymph nodes off of you. And, of course, me knowing more than he does. I said, why would we do that? He says, well, if one cell of melanoma goes to any one of those lymph glands and you don't take it out, pretty soon it'll be in your liver, your brain, your kidneys, and you'll be dead. He said, the last guy that told me not to take him out, he's dead. I said, I believe what you're saying, and let's do it. (laughs) But even though... We did all of that. My life is still in his hands. It's just still in his hands. I go or 5,000 hours under the water, and, it's, and I rode motorcycles for 10 years. It's still in his hands. But I do not ride a two-wheel bicycle. I already had somebody come up to me tonight and say, you got leave to the, leave, leave them bicycles alone. Leave them bicycles alone. Okay. Amen. Folks, I know you've been in trouble. Many of you are in trouble. Right now, Sandy Atto's up there in Indiana, you know. And the heater's broken in her house, and it's 30-some degrees outside, and they can't get a part for it. And her husband got sick. Both of them got COVID, and husband got sick. He's now, he's on real, he's right on the edge. Oxygen down into the 70s, when you don't have the oxygen, I mean. Keeps pulling the mask off, pulling the mask off, and they won't let her in there. Now, you know, did you folks know Sandy very well? If she was in there, that boy would not pull that mask off. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Uh, she would solve that. for. She said, I could solve that. I said, yes, I believe you. <laughs> She's probably watching. God bless you, Sandy. If you, you need to go to the hospital and tell him I can help this old boy because he'll listen to me. He knows better. He'll listen to me and not take that mask off. And let's pray. We'll pray that God spares the old boy, but they're in the midst of trouble. Where are they going? You gotta go to God. You know what's beautiful about a Christian? You get to go to God. And He answers. Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And He you knoweth them. We trust in Him. Father, help us tonight in Jesus' name.